Hello, friends, and welcome back. Today, we are going to start our conversation on infrastructure, officially. Episode 10 was a bit of a preview, giving an update and outline on Biden's then-proposed plan, which, of course, as of this week, shifted slightly into a more bipartisan version that we are going to outline a little later in a special episode. But for right now, we're going to discuss the basics of infrastructure planning and why conversations around it, both official and otherwise, get so heated and somewhat unproductive. So let's jump in. So what is public infrastructure? I mean, it's a long word, but honestly, it has a pretty simple meaning. It refers to the systems and structures that are essential to a country's economic development. That's it. Now, there's a lot that goes into that, you know, a whole lot of subheadings, but that's basically what infrastructure is. And without it, countries would literally be mass conglomerations of people. And that's about it. Within infrastructure, there are three main classes. I'm Pretty sure that there are others, but I like to keep things simple. Y'all got stuff to do. So number one is soft infrastructure, meaning institutions that contribute to the upkeep of a healthy economy. And no, I don't just mean the stock market. I mean schools, hospitals, clinics, and legal and governmental structures. Number two is hard infrastructure. This is basically what you automatically think of once you hear the definition of infrastructure. It includes transport systems such as roads and tech systems such as phone lines. And then number three, you have critical infrastructure. This is the one that typically causes the so-called liberal conservative divide. It includes public health measures such as medicine and vaccines. Hmm, isn't that interesting? So as you can imagine, even if you really don't watch the news, this stuff runs up a tab pretty quick, especially we're talking about a country as large as the United States. So this is why you see infrastructure bills that are estimated about upper billions and low trillions. However, this fact can raise some very important questions, like how much investment is too much? Is all the money allocated from various for various forms of infrastructure actually going towards infrastructure? If you consider how much compromising has to be done to get a bill passed, it might not be. But I have no hard evidence, so we're not going to use this as a point of analysis. But it's just something to think about. All right. So. Money can be raised for infrastructure via taxes, investments, and public-private partnerships. The use of taxes and tolls are somewhat clear-cut. I mean, these facilities are used by the public, so the public pays for them via tax dollars. That's why people always say, my tax dollars hard at work, when they're referring to, I don't know, maybe a school system or, you know, road pickups, you know, when like they come out and they get like stuff that's been blown in the streets because of a storm or something. Um, and we can get into the harmful role of taxes 
a little bit later, that might be too much for this conversation. And I don't I, I don't want to get confusing. So investments, which is kind of the second class, are a little bit more murky. The basics of investing is explained by two main principles. Again, there are others, but I want to keep things nice and simple. Buy low and sell high. I'm pretty sure you've heard of that one. And return on investment is key. I'm pretty sure you've also heard that one. So when you're looking to invest in a country, rule two is typically more pertinent. Investors look at the opportunity that has the highest return. The investment can be a part of a regular venture or an expansion project. For example, if a country is listening, is looking, excuse me, to expand its water purification efforts, a firm specializing in it can build a plant in a location designated by the government. This in an idealistic sense, can benefit both parties. Emphasis on idealistic. The, the last form is a point of tension for both the private and public sector. It involves the diversification of risk, increased employment, and offers an example to other domestic firms that are looking for a government contract. However, there are some downsides. For example, and, and I think it might be easier to illustrate this point if I use an example than I just say what I'm really thinking. Because, again, I don't want to confuse y'all. That's not what I want to do here. So I was recently looking into the military industrial complex and in where the demands of the economy are dictated by the government's proposed needs for the defense and weaponry, not necessarily the demands, get it, <laughs> of the market. This can result in inefficient use of resources and contracts to the most connected, not necessarily the most efficient. See what I mean? Now, I'm not saying that the public and private sector is riddled with problems, therefore they should never work together. No, it's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that sometimes public and private sector relationships aren't as harmonious as we would like them to be. I'm just reporting the news. All right, so that is all I have for you today. Continue to like, subscribe, and share this podcast. Next episode, we are going to look at some history and what it can tell us regarding where we are right now when it comes to infrastructure. So yeah, this is going to be our topic for a minute because there's so much that goes into this and, you know, um, yeah, there, there, is, there is just so much to discuss when you're talking infrastructure. You can get political with it, you can throw some numbers, or you can just boil it down to bare bones and relate it to people's everyday lives. I plan on doing a little bit of all three, so stick with me. I promise there is, there is a reason why I'm talking about this now. Hopefully, you are still masking and doing your due diligence on the available vaccines if you're still not 100% sure about it. If we want these COVID restrictions to stay lifted, we have to do our part. All right? Be well, y'all. Peace. Okay, just a quick correction. Um, when I was talking about the military-industrial complex, I said demands of the economy. I meant to say demands of production are dictated by the government's proposed need for defense instead of the market. 
just one more correction um, and point of clarification before I let y'all go. When I say government's proposed need for defense, I don't mean the resources that it takes to take care of our troops, both domestic and abroad. I mean building more tanks and helicarriers and other large-scale arms that we don't necessarily need. All right, I just wanted to make that clear because I don't want there to be any confusion. I'm specifically talking about spending when it comes to building more arms, not taking care of our troops. Y'all have a blessed day.